Welcome to the Urban Church Podcast. If you would like more information about Urban, please visit our website at lifeaturban.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Trutch, why trutch? What is trutch? We're going to get to that. So let's look at Ephesians 5, our passage that we started off with last week. In verse 22, Ephesians 5, 22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. That's another spot where you can say amen. 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 All right. Um, Husbands, love your wives. Oh, good job. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to her, her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. The Bible says right there in verse 27 that he wants to present what? He wants to present an okay church? He wants to present, um, you know, she's kind of got it together church? No, he wants to present a glorious church. And other translations say gorgeous. Other translations translate it gorgeous, glorious, gorgeous. What is, what is something that's gorgeous? Well, it's attractive. It's something that, that people are drawn to. And that's the church that Jesus Christ is, is going to present to himself. That is the church that we are called to be. And we have discovered that as we talk to some people in our community, that their image of church and their thought of church is very much the opposite of what our image of church is. Um, Ben had some of the people in the church kind of do a little survey and go to the people that they work with and friends and family members and just say, hey, what is the first thing you think of when you think of church? And so many of them um, got back to us on what what the responses were. And so we put together this definition of church because it's so backward from what church was called and meant to be. So let's look at the definition of church. Definition of church is that slightly odd group of people that gather together on Sunday morning and talk about irrelevant things pertaining to a guy named Jesus, that's right, that did some fascinating stuff a long time ago and also had some good teaching. It's an organized religious group that wants my money. It's a place where I get judged. It's a building with a steeple on it. So we put together this definition of church. Let's look at our definition of church. What is church? Church is a life-giving, loving community of Christ's followers who believe in the power of the Word of God to change our lives and ultimately to change the world. That is what church is. It's a community of Christ's followers, of believers. It's, it's not a church building. Um, and you notice that the minute you stepped into Urban today. Um, when you walk through the doors, you actually... Stepped into a cafetorium. Everybody say cafetorium. Isn't that a cool word? I like it. I just want to figure out ways that I can use that word um, throughout, throughout my week. It's, you know, cafeteria sometimes, auditorium sometimes. So we just kind of put it together, and we've got a cafetorium happening here. So you didn't step into a building with a steeple on it and with a church on top of it, but you stepped into a cafetorium. What makes this a church on Saturday night and Sunday morning is not the building, it's the people that are in it. So you and I, because we're here today, we're in a church, right? 
but when we're not here, it's a, it's a cafetorium. It's an elementary school. But because we're here, because the church is here, it's a church today. And so we understand that a building is not a church. A, bu- a, a church is you and I. We are the church. And so the church is that loving community of Christ's followers. But we realize that our community, the people that we're around every day, they have a very different image of the church. And so this is why we're doing the series Trutch, because we as Christ followers are responsible for the image that they have. Think about it for a minute. Think about if we were to say, hey, today we want you to leave and we want you to go and tell, you know, do a little survey out in the community. We want you to ask people, what do you think when you think of Jack in the Box? And so you go out and you find, you know, this, this individual and you say, hey, what do you think of when you, when you hear the word Jack in the Box? And they say, oh yeah, Jack in the Box. You know what, Jack in the Box, great place. I was moving last week and you know what, I heard that Jack in the Box is a place you can go to when you need to get boxes. You can get all kinds of boxes. You get big boxes, you get little boxes, you get round, even these round cardboard boxes for the, your posters. You can go there and get all kinds of boxes if you're moving or if you need to store something at storage. You know, if you need to ship something, you can go to the Jack in the Box and get all the boxes you need. Okay, is that a correct image? No. no. Did you hear Cheeseburger? In that. No, okay? You didn't. You didn't didn't hear seasoned curly fries, did you? That wasn't mentioned in that definition, in that view that they had. Whose fault is it? Is it that person's fault? Should we go to them and say, You are so silly? That is not what Jack in the Box is. What is wrong with you? Is it their fault that they have the wrong image of Jack in the Box? Who is to blame? Well, if we were to look at it today, we would say, you know what? The marketing managers of Jack in the Box are to blame for that incorrect image that's been, that's been put out there for people. So, so we, would, we would go to the marketing managers and we would say, you know what? You're getting paid thousands and thousands of dollars to advertise Jack in the Box in a correct way so that everyone in our community knows what Jack in the Box is. So that they know that it's not about boxes, but it's about cheeseburgers. It's about those tacos you can get. It's about those curly fries. Well, the reality is, whether you and I like it or not, the reality is that every single day, we are marketing the church to our friends, to our coworkers, to our family members. We are marketing the church by the way that we live our lives every single day. So rather than pointing the finger at the people that have the wrong image of what church is, we need to point the finger right here. And we need to realize that, man, I need to bring the change. I am the one that is responsible for communicating what the church is so that people look at the church and they see something that's gorgeous, that's attractive. They see something that they're drawn to, something that they know that they can come to and find hope and find peace and find life and find safety and find Jesus. So we need to understand what the church is. Let's look in our Bibles at John chapter 8. Real quickly, turn with me to John chapter 8. And we're going to start right in verse 2. It says, Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him and sat down, and he taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. 
But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, asking him he raised himself up and said to them, He who, ha- who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Incredible passage of scripture. As we look at this passage of scripture today, we see church and we see the church. We see the definition that we've heard of from our community of church being displayed here, but we also see the church and every time the church prevails, amen? In this, in this passage, we see that the church prevails and we see what church is meant to be. But we see at the very beginning of this, we see some individuals in verse 3, some scribes and Pharisees that come and bring a woman into the temple, bring the woman to Jesus, to the church, and, and put her down before him. And interesting to note that here's this woman that was caught in the act, but where's the guy? I don't know. Anyways, caught in the very act, but here's the woman. Where's the guy? Anyways, um, maybe he was a friend of theirs. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, these scribes and Pharisees come. Now, as you study out the Gospels and you look uh, and read through it, uh, how many of you have heard the word hypocrites? Not just from reading your Bible, but you've heard it from people that you know, from people that are turned off by church. And they say the reason why they're turned off by church is because that, that one word, that I've, there are too many, that's where, that's where hypocrites are. That's where there's just a bunch of hypocrites in the church. I'm not going to go there. And, and, and as you study out the scripture, what's interesting is throughout the Bible and throughout the Gospels, as Jesus is walking on the earth, the only individuals that he refers to as hypocrites are the scribes and the Pharisees. He calls, and you just look at Matthew chapter 23, and over six times he refers to the scribes and Pharisees. Oh, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Oh, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Oh, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. It actually says in verse 13, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. He never refers to Christ's followers as hypocrites. As we look at the scriptures and as we read through the Gospels, we we realize that there were a lot of Christ followers, a lot of disciples, that had some stuff, didn't they? I mean, the Bible says that they were tax collectors, there were some fishermen, the Bible says that, man, Peter, you know, we can just talk about Peter for a moment, we can just leave all the other, you know, 11, or we could talk about Judas, but we could, you know, let's just talk about Peter for a second. Peter, you know, the one who speaks before he thinks, Peter, the one who's chopping off ears when he just needs to settle down and just, you know, follow Jesus and just do what's right. It, Jesus, uh, Peter, you know, who, who time and time again is just, you know, making some mistakes here and there. 
And the disciples, as they're in a boat, and there's a storm happening, and there's all kinds of ruckus going on, and, and, and they're waking up Jesus going, Jesus, what in the world is wrong with you? Why are you sleeping? And Jesus turns to them, does he say hypocrites? No. He says, oh, you have little faith. Oh, you have little faith. Time and time again, Jesus refers to the Christ followers, the people that are doing their best to follow Jesus with all their heart, that are trying to get this thing right, that are, that are walking with him every day, yet still making mistakes, still doing things wrong, still not having enough faith, still denying him three times. He doesn't refer to them as hypocrites. He says, oh, you have little faith. Oh, you have little faith. But here in this passage, we see the scribes and Pharisees, we see some hypocrites come in. And what are they coming to do? They're coming to looking for judgment. Part of the definition of trutch is it's the place where I go and I get judged. And here's a woman being drugged into the church. Her first encounter, her first encounter is with trutch, with judgment, with condemnation. And can I tell you for a minute, I can, I can relate to this woman. For me, I didn't grow up in the church all my life. It wasn't until I was 20 years old that I actually stepped foot in a church and, and began to know what it really was all about. Earlier on in my life, as I was in high school and, and throughout you know, the years there in high school and in college, I, I actually, and I didn't know it at the time, but the encounters that I had were actually with Trutch. I encountered some people that came to me and said, you, you, you need to go to my church. You need, you, need, you need to go to my church, let me tell you. You need to go to my church. And then on Friday night, I found myself at the party, and, you know, there they are hovering over the same toilet bowl I'm hovering over. And here they are doing things that are even worse than what I was doing, and I looked at them and I thought, your church ain't working for you, so why do I need to go? You know, whatever you, you know, you, you know what, honey, you're kind of wasting your time on Sunday mornings because whatever it is that you're getting there, it's not doing anything for you. Then later on, I, I had an encounter with church again as, as I had been invited to church, and I shared with this individual, you know what, you know what, so-and-so had invited me to church, and and this person, knowing my stuff and knowing my issues, knowing my past, knowing some of the stuff that had gone on in my life, heard that and just started laughing. <laughs> Katie, go to church? Yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. And immediately when I heard that, I thought, oh, my, oh my goodness, yeah. Like, church, Katie, does not, does not work out. Hi, puppy. That's amazing. Say hi to the doggy. And so my, my thought, my thought right there is, you know what? Church, Katie, it just doesn't work out. Hi, I love you. You're so cute. Oh, that's amazing. And so my thought there was, you know what? She, she knew all my stuff, and so she knew all my baggage. She knew all the stuff that was going on in my life, and she knew that church. And Katie, so in my mind, I thought, you know what? That is not the place where I belong. So I, you know, get this image in my mind, and I, you know, my mind, I am a thinker. I internalize everything. I start, you know, I come up with this grandiose image of what's going to happen when I walk through the door at church. So I imagine in my mind, I open the door, and the minute I cross the threshold, these spotlights go straight to the door. 
and suddenly alarms. Sinner, 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 sinner start going off. And in my mind, the spotlights go over there and, 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 they, and they find me and they're like, hurry, uh, you know, 911, you know, and Cody jumps up and runs over there and grabs me and throws me down at the front of the thing and they say, you know what, here's the one and this and that and this and that and, and all my stuff, the list begins to be, you know, shouted out over the intercom. Or my other thought is if I step through the threshold, the lightning bolt from heaven is going to harm me. And if anyone's near, there better not be anyone near me because they're going to get scorched. They're going to get hurt. They're going to get harmed because I'm going to be obliterated. That is my thought, you know. Here is this so messed up person, not holy, got stuff and baggage going on. If I step in, I am going to harm people. Like they're going to get hurt because that lightning bolt is really, I mean, it's powerful. And God is going to get me. You know, the image of God with a big sledgehammer just waiting for the minute you step into church. Like, oh, yeah, here they come. You know, it's time. I'm finally going to get them. They're finally going to step into church. And bam, you know. That was my thought as I heard those words. Because I'm one of those people that I just, I just come up with this big, you know, thing in my mind that, you know, that's what's going to happen. Because I had no idea what, what church was. Only experience I had was, you, you need to go to church. Or, you in church? It was trutch. So I can relate to this woman, and I, I, can, I can imagine, only imagine the fear that was, that was in her in that moment, knowing that she had stuff, and she was caught in the very act of it. Rather than, than being loved by the church, she found trutch, was ready to judge and condemn. What I love about this passage is I see Jesus. Jesus does not even say a word to them in the beginning. Jesus just bends down and takes his finger. Because you just think for a minute what would happen if the finger of God hit you. Like, that would be crazy. But anyways, he, he takes his finger, just with his finger, he begins to write in the ground. And I tried to figure it out. I tried to look and figure out what in the world was he writing. I studied it out. I looked at commentaries. I looked at different thoughts. None of the theologians can really say for a fact that they know what Jesus was writing. But I can only imagine, based off of what Jesus says, he stands up and says, the first one who's without sin, you go ahead and throw the stone. So I imagine that as Jesus was stooped down, he's just writing the sins. He is sin after sin being written in the ground. Sin after sin. And as he's writing this, And as he says, the first one without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. Here these older gentlemen first look at the sins and realize that one's mine, that one's mine, that one's mine. I am out of here before he writes my name next to it. I am, I'm leaving. It takes the younger ones a little bit longer because they think, you know, he doesn't know, you know, I I got it all together. Oh, okay. You know, he probably wrote their names next to him and then they left, you know. Jesus just writes it out. What's amazing about this passage, the only one left was Jesus, the only ones left were Jesus and the woman. The only one that was qualified to throw the first stone was standing with her. 
The only one that remained was Jesus, the one without sin, the one that was sinless, was standing with her at the end. The only one that could throw the first stone was standing there. And what, is she, what does he say when he looks at her? Where are your accusers? Where Have they condemned you? And she looks at him and says, no, Lord, they're, they're no longer here. They're not here, Jesus. And he looks at her and doesn't say, I condemn you. You're a horrible woman. I would look at what you've done. Look at all of your stuff. Look at all of your sin. Look at all of your filth. What do you think you're doing in the church today? No, he looks at her and says, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. I do not throw a stone at you. Go and sin no more. At that moment, she encountered church. At that moment, she stepped in and she experienced church for the first time in her life. What did she find? Did she find condemnation? No. She found conviction. There's a big difference. You know you're being condemned when you feel hopeless, when you feel as though there's no hope for the future. There's condemnation. When you see no light at the end of the tunnel, there's condemnation. But when Jesus comes, when the presence of the Holy Spirit comes on your life, conviction comes. You start feeling a little bit like this, like, oh, he's getting into my business. You feel a little bit like, ah, but you see that light at the end of the tunnel. You see a future and a hope of, man, I can leave my bags at the door. You see a future and a hope of, man, like when you're, going to, when you're going to the airport and you're lugging all the luggage and you're just trying to get to the counter and you got all this stuff and you can finally just check it at the counter. Yeah. That's what church is. Church is where you can come in with all your bags. You can come in as you are. You can come in with your stuff. You can come in with your struggles. You can come in with your broken marriage. You can come in with your broken finances. You can come in with all those broken relationships. You can come in without that job. You can come in as you are, and you can leave it at the feet of Jesus. You can check it with him. He's your, he's your big check guy. I don't know what they call him. Concierge? I don't know. He's your bag checker. And he never gives it back to you. Now you can go and you can take it back from him. I've done that before. Or you can just check it with him and say, you know what? I didn't like those bags anyways. I'll go get myself some new bags, Jesus. Leave it with him and go buy myself some new bags. There's a reason to go shopping, ladies. There we go. Check your bags with Jesus. And then we'll all go on a shopping spree together. So she encountered church. I encountered church at the age of 20. I encountered church for the first time in my life. It wasn't when I stepped in a physical building called church. I was actually at a house. <laughs> Imagine that for a minute. We were, we were together, a group of friends, and one of, one of them was house-sitting. And you know when, you know, somebody's house-sitting... They, they got to make sure the house doesn't disappear, so you need to go help them house sit, right? Yeah. You know, you got to make sure that the hot tub, I mean, you got to make sure that it's okay. You got to make sure that the temperature's just right, you know, you got to make sure that it's not going to leak or nothing bad's going to happen, so you just got to go help them out with the house sitting. So we, you know, all of us friends decided, you know what, she needs a little help house sitting in the house tonight. So we went over and we're hanging out. I had been to church twice or maybe three times. And I had not yet at that point received Jesus in my life. And we're sitting around and everybody's talking about church. And I figured, you know what, okay, still don't know what they're talking about. But I'll just kind of 
try to sound like I know. And so I just kind of threw a word in, you know, like, oh, yeah, worship is great. You know, I can relate to music. I know, you know, I can't dance, but, you know, I can relate, you know, okay, the music is awesome, you know. And the church looked at me and said, but Katie, have you ever received Jesus in your life before? And in that moment, I broke down and I started crying. I started crying and I said, you know what? I want to, and I've wanted to for so long, but I just don't know how. I broke down crying because although I had only been to church about three times, I realized that I had wanted Jesus for so long. I realized that it was Jesus that I wanted in that relationship that I was in. It was Jesus that I was really looking for at the bottom of the bottle. It was Jesus that I was really desiring as I was involved in the drugs. It was Jesus that I was looking for. He was the answer when I stood in that, in that abortion clinic to abort my baby at the age of 19. It was Jesus that I was really hungry for. It was Jesus that I was really longing for. And so in that moment when the church said, Katie, have you ever asked Jesus in your life? I broke down weeping because I realized in that one moment that he was the one that I have wanted for so long. I just didn't know how to find him. I just hadn't found the church that invited me and said, you can come with all your bags, you can come with all your stuff, and you can leave it here and you can find Jesus. They were the church to me that day. They took one look at me and they knew my stuff. It was as though I was, you know, all my stuff just carrying it right there on my shoulder. You can read it, you know. They could take one look at me. And they knew that there was some stuff going on. The more time they spent with me, they realized, well, she's really hurting. But you know what the church did? The church didn't look at me and say, you know what, let's have a little Bible study, Katie. Let's sit down and talk about drunkenness. I have a few scriptures I want to read to you today. They didn't sit down with me and say, how could you ever do this? No. The church loved me. And you know what they did? Rather than pulling out their Bible and beating me with it, you know what they shared with me? They shared their struggles. They shared their stories. They shared about how when their mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, and they didn't, it was as the world crushed on them, and they didn't know what to do, and so they prayed, and they just sought God. They shared with me about how, how this happened or that happened, and, and I saw how, you know what, this person is, is struggling with finances, but yet there's hope in them, and they they're, they're, they're actually have a smile on their face, and they're, they're, they're looking forward to tomorrow. And I saw these things, and I saw these individuals that had stuff going on just like I did, maybe not to the level that I had, but they, they were real about who they were, and they recognized that, ma'am, I don't have it all together, but you know what, I know Jesus, and I know that Jesus has it all together, and so I'm just going to turn to him. That's what I saw when I looked at the church. That's what I saw when I was together with these individuals in a house. They were the church. The church. What is the church? The church is where you come and you find the love that covers a multitude of sins. The Bible says it in Mark 2.17 that Jesus says, man, I didn't come for those who have no need of a physician. I came 
for those who are sick, that those who are in need. I didn't come for the righteous, but I came for the sinners. The Bible says that, man, it's his love in 1 Peter 4, 8 that covers a multitude of sins. Church is a place where you can come just the way you are. But the beauty of it is you don't have to stay the way you are. The amazing thing about God and about church is that with God, you know what, we can come in with our bags and we can choose to take our bags back out with us. What's so awesome about the Lord is it doesn't change His love for you and I. We can come in and we can check our bags and it doesn't mean He loves us more. What it means is that, man, you checked it with him. Now you can leave a little lighter. The Bible says that we can cast all cares upon him, for he cares for us. His love for you and I and for every single individual in our community does not change. His love remains the same whether we choose to check the bags or not. His love is here. But the beauty of church is I can come in as I am, but I can leave the bags if I want. And I can experience the light of life as this woman experienced it. I can experience the light of life. Church is a city of refuge. In the Old Testament, there were cities that were set aside as cities of refuge. You can take a look at it in Numbers 35. They were called cities of refuge where people could go and find safety, shelter, and, and, and protection from avengers. Cities of refuge. What is refuge? Refuge is shelter or perfe- protection from danger or trouble. It's a place to take refuge from a storm. It's anything to which... Uh, One has recourse for aid, relief, or escape. It's a place free from the accuser. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And church is a city of refuge where we can find safety, shelter. The Bible says that God is our strong tower, that he's our refuge. And so all the more why we should come to church and find a city of refuge. Because that's where the king dwells. This is church. Go ahead and stand with me as we end today. Every day, you and I are marketing the church. Every day, with the way that we live our lives, markets and communicates what the church is to the people that are around us. Every day we have a choice of whether or not we're going to stand up tall and make it look like we got it all together. You need to listen to me pray. You need to come to my church. You need to get that right. So we can communicate trudge to them, or we can come alongside and say, you know what? I know what you're going through right now. I can relate to what you're facing with your finances right now. I remember the day when I sat in my apartment with my husband and we looked at our account and realized that we were $500 short from paying rent. I remember that day not knowing what we were going to do, wondering how it was all going to pan out, wondering where the $500 were going to miraculously come from. 
wanting to get on the phone and call the friends and call the people and get, get, get somebody to come to our aid. And I remember in that moment that you know what I did? Is I, 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 I kneeled down and I prayed with my husband. And I turned to Jesus and I prayed and I asked him to provide because the Bible says that he is Jehovah Jireh, that he's my provider. And you know what? God provided at four o'clock. Somebody called and said, you know what? God spoke to me. And I have a check waiting here for you for $500. You can come pick it up anytime you want. We can come alongside people and share our struggles with them and share how God came through for us. We can communicate the church. So we have a choice today. Are we going to be like a scribe or a Pharisee and live our lives as a hypocrite and present to them an image, a false image of virtue? Or are we going to present the church to them? Are we going to go and recognize that we are just sometimes, though ye have little faith, <laughs> sometimes I make mistakes and I make errors and please don't call me a hypocrite. I just, I got a little faith today. I just got a little bit of faith today. But Jesus is on my side. What are we going to present to people as we leave urban today? Are we going to present the church or are we going to present church?